Hello, friends. The interview with Ambi starts like seven minutes into this or something like that. There's a intro. And we essentially just talk about, I don't even know what, littering, nonsense. You don't need to listen to it. You can, but you don't have to. And if you want to just get to the interview, that's fine. It's like seven minutes in or something. I don't know. You guys aren't new to smartphones. You get it. Let's just jump right into something. That. We're I, jumping just, in. I just heard that someone threw trash at your feet. Someone threw trash at my feet. And I well, want okay. to know. Tell Here's, me more. Yeah. Let me set the scene, okay? I am going to the grocery store. It has just rained. The sun has peaked out from the clouds. And I need two things from the store. Eggs and orange juice, I believe. So I park the car. I kind of always park like kind of far away, you know? I don't like search for the the first spot. Mm-hmm. And uh it's how you stay in shape. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. At that and I take the stairs. <laughs> and <laughs> so anyways, I park kind of far back. So anyways, I'm like weaving through cars to get, you know, to the door here. Mm-hmm. And a Cadillac, like an like an older Cadillac pulled up. And I'm going in between that car and another car and i'm on the driver's side of the cadillac and as i'm walking i don't think he meant to do this like towards me i just think he was doing it and it happened right in front of me he rolls down his window a little bit and he and he just throws a little bit like some trash out the window just and it was a nerd's box like a (laughs) like from the candy nerds and he throws it out and then he rolls up the little bit of window that he rolled down, and it lands like right at my feet. Just that? Just that. Like he just crushed a box of nerds, and he's like, I don't need this in my <laughs> glove compartment. So he throws it out. And it, it lands wow. like right at my feet. And I'm like, I stop. And I just like give it a pause. I really don't love seeing people litter. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just like irritated me. So it hits at the feet, and I stop and I just look at it for a while. And I just kind of go, like, whatever. I don't know. And then I just keep walking. So as I keep walking, though, the window comes back down. Not all the way. And he's like, hey, what's up? Like, oh, you know, no. he's confrontational about it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, wait, you're confrontational at me? Yeah. <laughs> like, and so he's like, whoa, what's up, man? And I go, I don't know, dude. Just feels a little weird that you just threw trash out onto the ground, you know? Um. And, you know, but I'm just going to keep walking in. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to, you know, it was just, and he says, uh, huh? Or something. And I'm like, I don't know. And <laughs> is this your first day on earth? <laughs> you just heard about littering? Yeah. So he goes, uh, but the funnier part was like, he's very confrontational in tone. And I say, I don't know, man, just, you just threw trash out onto the ground. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to pick it up later. Like, oh, just man. still confrontation. Like, it was just weird that yeah. you're going to say, hey, I'm going to pick that up. Should but, you like, be driving? Angry? <laughs> I, Do you have your license? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I was just like, all right. Oh, and I just, gosh. like, turn and go in. And sometimes it feels like I have a stamp on my forehead that's like, please just mess with me. <laughs> for, for no, Like, because I was just minding my own day, just like, Gonna get some orange juice. 
and the dude throws trash at my feet. I say nothing, and then he comes at me like, hey, man, what's up? It was just such an interesting thing, too. I couldn't, his windows were tinted, and he's driving a Cadillac, so I kind of assumed, dude, this guy's like 87 years old. He was not, but <laughs> anyways. You know so that, he was that, that happens. Yeah, it was weird. He was just caught, and he was yeah. embarrassed. Yeah, that's probably true. And there's just not enough emotional management there to navigate the <laughs> yeah, situation. Exactly. Now I'm caught up in his emotional mess. Now yeah. I'm tangled up in my own things. Yeah. I'm like going through the spice aisle, and I'm like, what's... What am I doing with my life? Did I did I appropriately react to that? So now we're all tangled up. Everybody's everybody's confused. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, were you like, well, fine then? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna pick it up later. And I said, okay, I'll come help you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you have a nice day. I like the wheels you have on your car. And then he said, you have nice facial features. <laughs> And we went about our day. It was very sweet, actually. It was very, it was tender, kind of. Well, so, yeah. A beautiful <laughs> I don't know. ending to a beautiful that's story. That's it, yeah. <laughs> that's what happened. I don't know. And then, yeah, I don't know what your small story is. I'm excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, I just shouldn't even follow that now. Yeah, yeah. The nerd's box to the feet is, it's a home run. <laughs> I'll give you the quick version. Okay. Driving, uh, completely dark outside don't realize how dark it is yeah we see a blue glow in the distance okay in the far distance like a big blue glow and the glow is getting brighter and brighter and brighter and i'm like Mm -hmm. is it a spotlight is it a firework like what is blue Mm -hmm. and then we see a white flash and then we see another blue light emerge and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and then it flashes. And then we're still driving, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't realize what it was. We were talking about it. We're like, is it a fire? We're like, what is it? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the the gas station lights like come back on. We didn't realize they were off. It's just like they just came on and then the stoplight came back on. And it must have been like generators uh, or something, like something like something so like electrical in the distance. It was a blackout, but we saw like the explosions, it feels oh. like, of what caused the blackout. Oh, wow. But it looked like alien. It was crazy yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it all happened within like 30 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. But we, it was crazy too, not even seeing a gas station. Yeah. And then all of a sudden one just like lighting up out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it was so dark out. I thought this was going down the route of aliens, and then that made me think, oh, no, he's going to, like, unzip his skin and be like, I'm not even Josh. I'm L7522, and you're next. So, all the music in this podcast is music that we have recorded, so if you're intrigued about any of it, check it out. Uh, If you go to firstnamesmusic.com, Com. It's kind of a hub for all of our stuff, so you can find uh, other podcasts we've done and all of our links to our musics and uh, <laughs> YouTube. Uh, also, if you prefer to just follow us on Instagram, it's at First Names is a Band. Uh, we have links to all of our stuff there, too. And, you know, just a bunch of pictures of Josh and stuff, so that's fun. Check it out. Well, let's get to the episode. This is Ambrose from the Murlocs and King Giz. Enjoy. That was clean. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. All right, sweet. Here we go. We're doing it. Right on. So, so you're in a. You guys have like a. How many rehearsal spaces do you personally go to? Is everything out of like the Giz HQ or whatever, or, or do you guys rehearse um, in yeah. a different place? <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. We have our own setup here in Melbourne with King Giz. We have this big live room which we built like from a DIY a company. They just gave you they gave us like these walls and brackets and stuff. And I got a carpenter friend of mine to come and help us sort that out because we don't know what we're doing. Um, yeah, and we did that over like in between lockdowns and stuff. Um, we got like a permit to do that actually. Cause we, and then we got our friends to come and film us <laughs> build the studio so because it's like the only way around it as a loophole to um, get it up and going. And then in the back, we have like rooms already built. So the guy that used to live um, that rented this uh, warehouse, he's, uh, I think he's in jail now. He got done for like firearms and drugs and stuff. But he had like a whole legit studio. He was kind of like Breaking Bad of like the Melbourne music scene. He oh, like had has it at least like control room over there with like this crazy desk and like all these real flash microphones. And he had like yeah, like a a backline hire company. So he had like the walls filled with like drum kits and amps and stuff. So I think uh, it's pretty kind of obvious where the money was going. But like yeah, he had. The control room and then next to that had like a live recording room which fits like four or five people pretty comfy-ish um, and then there's a vocal booth sort of area which I set up in I've pretty much been just dominating that they, everyone calls that the shrimp dungeon yeah so I've just been in there <laughs> I'm in there most days just um screaming into this guy yeah uh and yeah uh all the other uh, I think there's like Joe's still in Europe at the moment um, on holiday, but uh, like Lucas, Cavs, Cook and Stu are setting up in there right now um, to do some tracks today. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wait, so that place was already mm. kind of set up before you guys even got in there for like recording and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So these rooms are already set up like super legit. Oh, cool. Um, and then we, there's this whole, there's only like a quarter of the warehouse. And then, because he, he had this whole other ha- half of it for like his cars and his backline stuff and all this um, other shit. So, Whoa. yeah, we built this big room for us to do like proper live rehearsal production stuff in. Oh, right on. Mm. So, when you guys are coming in there, you said that you have like the shrimp dungeon and there's like different kind of areas for you guys <laughs> to work in. Do you guys like, is there like routines like, oh, you know, like you get in there at a certain time every day kind of a thing or or uh, what's it like? Yeah, um, pretty much like every day. I, I pretty much just treat it as like a nine to five. Um, yeah. Bunch of us sort of do. But uh, yeah, um, well, a lot of the time it'll be mainly probably me and Stu just like, riffing on things and then guys the guys will come in and out depending on what's what we're working on but pretty much since we've moved into this space we it was like we did a kg and lw like fully isolation and then like butterfly 3000 was like sort of at the tail end of that um we still had our other studio like not far from here where that was combined with the flightless headquarters and stuff um, so like when we were like transitioning, moving out of there, I was like 
sneaking in there in between lockdowns and then I started like sneaking in here in between lockdowns because no one else was coming in mm. and we had this like five kilometre rule here in Melbourne and this was like within my five kilometres so I just like would put a hoodie on and like skate like uh, like 10 minutes to here and <laughs> come in and just be in this like in the shrimp dungeon by myself most days. <laughs> yeah. Dude, who uh, who who first started calling you shrimp? What's the deal with that? Aren't, don't you guys call them prawns in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I, I it was a joke that backfired on me. Basically, I remember you know I remember remember that movie District Nine. Yeah. yeah. And um, that actor, like, like um, the, the guy who plays like the South African dude, the main guy, like, and he turns into a prawn. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought he looked heaps like Eric. Okay. So I was trying to call I was trying to call Eric the prawn and I kept trying to call him the prawn and then Eric like flipped on me and started calling me shrimp and then everyone just started calling me shrimp and yeah, no one ever called him prawn except for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it just backfired and I just turned into the shrimp somehow. Oh perfect. But um yeah. it all worked out. <laughs> and I'm the youngest in the band, so I guess it kinda makes sense. Yeah, right on. Cool. Um okay, so transitioning out of um I guess gizzard land into murlocsville um this new record that you guys got coming out right now and what comes out the 16th right yeah um that's like kind of focusing on adolescence right or yeah it's like a coming of age um story yeah um so i guess i did want to kind of like take it back i guess to being a kid ambrose as a kid like growing up so was it a pretty creative like just household that you grew up in because it's really interesting to me that you have uh your father who's a you know musician himself and then your mother Mm -hmm. is a model right i don't want to sound like an idiot but that's that's true right yeah model slash yoga instructor (laughs) okay so this just seems like a very like i don't know like okay go ahead go be creative do your thing uh, type of environment. I mean, was it was it like that? Were you encouraged to just like go and do your own thing? Yeah, more or less. It was sort of like a yin and yang. Like, um, dad was kind of always like, "Don't do this. Become a lawyer, or a doctor, or like anything but a musician. Your life will be hell." And I was just like, <laughs> right. "I'm gonna show you, pops." Yeah, and yeah. I kind of yeah. And my parents like split when I was like eight or something. And I remember like at that time. Um, like maybe a year before that when I knew like um, shit was hitting the fan, I started like being like, hey, dad, can you like uh, show me how to play the harmonica? So I used to always hassle him. And he was kind of just like, once you can bend a note, like you'll be sweet. Like he never like showed me how to like read music for harmonica or any of that stuff or like, you know, it was kind of just, he'd, I'd just dive into his blues like CD collection and, I got obsessed with Blues Brothers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before I knew it, I was, like, making mum take me to, like, every, like, Sunday market and, like, festival and I'd, like, busk and throw a hat down. And I used to wear, like, a full Blues Brothers suit at one point. I was, I was so deep into it. <laughs> and then I will take all my coins and go to, straight to the CD store and buy all these, like, bootleg blue CDs, which I didn't obviously realize they were bootlegs at the time. And I'd just get, like, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee and Sonny Boy Williamson and Money Waters and Jimmy Reed and all that stuff. And I would, like, and then I would go home, listen to it all day, and then fall asleep listening to it on my, like, Ghetto Blaster. Mm-hmm. 
So I was just like lived and breathed it. I was so into it. Um, so yeah, it's sort of like a, it's kind of hard to pinpoint because sort of like a mixed, mixed emotions there of trying to, yeah, sort of just have a connection with my father and also I just realized I just loved it at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they both never really had proper nine to five like work jobs, you know? So I think that's, it's kind of a fair big part of me that I kind of wish in some ways that I had a bit more like discipline. <laughs> I kind of had a fair, fair free reign. So like, um, yeah, so like worth as work ethic and stuff sort of has just come from like now being in gears (laughs) being around people like Stu and stuff that like work really hard has given me heaps of good like stability and Mm -hmm. direction I think for a long time I was obsessed with skateboarding and just living off like nothing and just like eating like packets of noodles and just um yeah hitching rides and stuff all the time so yeah yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, so a lot in there. Yeah, speaking about like skateboarding, that's also really interesting. That was the thing that I was thinking about today. I was like, dude, most people like grow up and they don't get really really good at anything, but you got really good at multiple things from a young age. And I just don't even know how you were able to like focus on both. Like how are you able to like focus enough cuz skateboarding is really difficult to get very good at it. You have to be like super focused. And then also you became like an awesome musician it just seems crazy that you were able to get good at both of those things yeah i think a lot of my uh a lot of the reason things have happened the way they have is just because i just kind of just push myself and i think confidence is key uh, mm-hmm. i pretty much just fake everything to to make it um uh uh like skateboarding so obsessed with from a young age and still am like more than anything else I watch it like constantly. Um, I think it, it's the way skating, like skating gives you just like this like feeling that I've never experienced with like anything in life, like drugs, alcohol, like experiences, like every, anything. It's still not the same as like landing something, like a trick that you've been trying for hours. Like it's just like the best feeling in the world, hands down. So I think... Um, and it's just like, it's just pure freedom as well. So like, and it, and it just feels like it's your own thing, you know, you feel like, and then you have like these friends and the friendships and like the community that comes with it all is just like no other as well. You know, it's like the, it's now like considered almost a competitive sport, but it's one of the only competitive, competitive sports in the world where people actually like encourage their opponents. You know, it's sort of just like. It's such a loving community and it's definitely just shaped and molded me as an adult, as a human. Um, yeah, so I think I, I took, I've t- definitely take a lot of like um, that like, uh, like push and motivation and like ambition from skateboarding and now I'm like invest that into like music and and trying to get things done and make things happen and you know pull pull a yeah rabbit out of a hat yeah (laughs) because like skating is like that like you literally have to like bang your head against the wall like 
You have to like try a mm. hundred times, like thousands of times before you get something. So there's some sort of lesson uh-huh. in that. I feel like that does translate probably yeah. really well. Yeah, totally. It gives you a lot of discipline to like push yourself um, to like your your full mental and physical like limits and capabilities. Mm-hmm. Have you come up with any tricks? Yeah. Is there like a an Uncle Merle trick? <laughs> <laughs> the shrimp? No, nah, I definitely the tried shrimp. to come up with some. Yeah, <laughs> the shrimp 360. No, nah, I never like. No, nah, I wish though. I wish. I think Roddy Mullen invented them all before I was even. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it is kind of interesting, like the juxtaposition of like sport plus creativity. I mean, it's such a creative sport. You're kind of like forced to be creative. So yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Look, think outside the box. Um, yeah. Like everything has come from skating pretty much like in an artistic approach as well. Like every, like Jason Galea, who we work with now, like we, I met him when I was 14 through skateboarding and like, you know, and like pretty much most of the people I've ever done video clips and like our artwork and stuff are just all like old skate friends. Um, yeah. And it's sort of everyone just, yeah, you sort of just grown up with like videos and magazines and stuff and and like the music that comes from that as well. I feel like so many of my mutual like band friends and stuff other than like the Giz guys and uh are just so like privy to so much good music in all genres, you know, by the time you're like 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then once you like have all that influence, then you, it kind of helps you have a bit more of a foot in the door before everyone else with like pulling off like some good cool music i think <laughs> yeah i was kind of wondering about that because you know i mean all the stuff you're referencing before is like classically like just like solid foundational like very good music i was kind of like wondering like because i don't know when i was 12 i was listening to a lot of garbage like what a lot of people are and i don't know do you yeah. have any phase like that where sure. you're listening to like just i don't even know it jaw rule or something i don't know not that he's garbage. Um, can't believe you threw Ja Rule under the bus. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah nah. Sorry. My f- the first ever CD I ever bought was um, Will Smith getting jiggy with it. Oh, okay. A classic, single. Though. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Classic. Yeah, still banger. Seven inch. And then I think for that Christmas I got like Teenage Dirt Bag or something. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> but both of them, it wasn't quite like you know, it, it wasn't. It was not really enough substance in it for me to be like, yeah, like this is dope, like. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah. then I think after that I got like Batman Forever soundtrack and like Kiss from a Rose and stuff. I was like, yeah, this is this pops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I bet that, that was it's about like those three things that I can remember. And then all of a sudden it was just like Howl and Wolf and shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> weird that though. Was it. Yeah, man, I feel like it's kind of interesting because. I mean, I'm like this. A lot of people I know are like this. It's like you have like this phase where you're listening to a bunch of like vapid kind of stuff maybe that like maybe like my dad yeah. would be like, okay, this ain't it. And I'm like, no, this is it. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years later, I'm like, okay, maybe you were right, dad. Like this actually the stuff you're listening to is kind of is solid, you know. It's like you yeah. come back around. Always are. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like whatever. Shut up, dad. You're lame. You don't know anything. <laughs> you're, you're old and smell and stuff. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden you're like, God damn it. You knew all along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when you were like, uh, how old were you when you started like your first band or like when you were in a in your first band? And what kind um, of music did you guys play? So I like, when I was, yeah, little, I did all that busking stuff and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. uh, my dad's friend like um, said he would re- record me. So then we, I 
wrangled together a bunch of um, half-ass songs. It was like a seven-track CD EP thing called Boy With The Blues when I was like eight or nine or something. <laughs> and then I got super ashamed of that because I got thrown into like the skate world and hanging out with a lot of like dudes that were immediately older than me. And then they, when they started to discover that, they'll just like they'll just tease me for days on it. So I think I like destroyed uh, most of those CDs because I was so oh, embarrassed. No. Um, and then I like was like, screw that, I'm not doing music, and like, which I still regret so much to this day because I wish I just like pursued with like guitar and stuff at that point. I just like put it down and didn't give a shit about it for like ever and kind of ever since. I think that kind of like scarred me. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't for that. I think my, things would have turned out a lot different. Probably would have turned into some like virtuoso douchebag and like, you know, <laughs> crashed and burned <laughs> by the time I was like 16. But yeah, so I like stepped away from music for a long time, got super into skating, was sponsored by the time I was like 10 and then was like on trips with like pros and stuff when I was like 12 and 13 so it was kind of like getting thrown in the deep end really quick with that and then I met my like one of yeah my best friend in uh like in primary at the end of primary school and yeah he was like super keen musician and he he made me like come play harmonica with him all the time so I always just had the harmonica still going because like harmonica was you know, easy enough once you get your head around it to just, um, you know, start jamming with people. Um, so when I, like, moved to this primary school, I was playing at the festival, like the kind of big festival of the area <laughs> somehow. I was just, like, getting up and playing harmonica with, like, old, like, with blues guys and shit. It was, like, this weird little token kid. And then, yeah, he kind of, like, pulled me back into doing that more. Um, but, yeah, at that time I was, like, had my hair dyed black. I just wanted to be, like... Knox Godoy and like listen to Ramones and Sex Pistols and watch like Baker 2G constantly. So yeah. I was like, so on another path. And then, yeah, all through my teenage years, we started to keep playing music. And then we had a band, Sambro's Automobile, which is like blues rock stuff. So then, yeah, by the time I was like 14 or so, we had a drummer. And then the bass player was uh, Lucas, who's in Gizzard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was playing bass with us from when I was, like, 15 or 14 or something. And then, yeah, then we, like, started playing gigs and we met, like, Cook and Stu who had another band. And this is all down, like, in Geelong, like, around the Surf Coast area of Victoria. And, um, yeah, then we all just kind of grew up with each other in that sense. Um, And I started just – we started just going to pubs every weekend and playing underage and getting, you know – drunk and stuff and doing all these things for the first time kind of like all together at once and then by the time I was like finishing high school um Stu was like yeah like always in bands as like the guitar player you know he never really sung or anything and then when he started Gizzard I saw Gizzard play and I was like I want to be in that band like straight up that's what I want to I want to. I hope he asked me to come play harmonica with them one day because that's the band I want to play harmonica in. You know, like oh, really? I'd never seen anything like that yet. And then there, yeah, the next week, he asked me to come play, and I just kept rocking up despite him probably not wanting me to. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but like, yeah, I also at the same time as Gizzard started, literally probably only a couple of weeks apart, I started Murlocs, and um, yeah, so I was kind of like starting to do gigs with Murlocs. 
you know, and like would play one place and then I'd go and see Gizzard play like, you know, later somewhere else or whatever. And um, yeah, it was kind of just all went intertwined. That's crazy that you guys all knew each other for that long and then it kind of just like wove into whatever this thing is now, this absolute force of nature yeah. that you guys have going on. Yeah, I guess it was a somewhat like teenage prodigy supergroup at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, it was sort of like a collective thing of like all these different bands and then, um, yeah, the sort of dudes on the side like kind of just went you know, all together and the lead singers kind of got left behind a bit, which is, um, was unfortunate. But it kind of just happened so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Gizzard is just a fast train and if you don't, like, jump on board, you would miss the stop. Like, it just keeps, you know. So it was, I was just lucky that I came last, in, last of the piece and then I'm just super grateful that I've been able to keep Murlocs ticking along the whole time as well. Yeah. So, like... Because we're kind of both on a trajectory of, like, one step, you know, we'll get... Murlocs were, like, literally six months uh, behind Gizzard, you know, playing the same venues, to selling out, you know, and, and then Gizzard was always, like, you know, sort of, like, going like this. And then as soon as Gizzard went to the States, it just went, like, bang. And then, yeah, kind of too hard to... Oh, really? ...ever catch up again. <laughs> how did, How did that work with, like... Because, I mean, Australia is pretty, uh, it just feels like it's kind of like isolated a little bit. I don't know if it feels like that being there, but then journeying over to like somewhere else and you saying that that kind of like was the flashpoint of everything taking off. Like, what was that like? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, how did you, was it, was it you guys were getting such a kind of following around, you know, where you were in Australia and then it was just like, okay, now we can hop over here because. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Well, it wasn't as simple as that. We were a seven-piece and, like, we had no money. Right. And then we, we won this, like, competition, you know, it was like, not like, it's sort of just like, oh, you know, it was like a short list of, like, a bunch of bands doing good in Australia, um, mainly around Melbourne and, like, uh, Carlton, Carlton Dry, this, like, beer company in Melbourne. And the prize was 50 grand. Oh, and so we... Yeah, and then Stu called me one day when I was skating and he was like, hey, we just won it. Like, we're going to go to America for like two months. And I was just like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was it. Yeah, I think from that moment I just knew that it was going to just go to the next level because everyone is just so determined and like on the same page constantly. So it was, yeah, and I feel like, yeah, Australia just sort of has a threshold unless you can like, sort of tick all these boxes like mm-hmm. um in a certain demographic like you you have a long like pretty decent career but like i don't know i don't know how to put it without put it down because <laughs> it kind of just it definitely was not going to be any room for you know a band like us and what we do so we needed to we needed to venture out yeah forgive me for not knowing this but like do you, have you had like pretty much the same people in like the Murlocs the whole time? And do you kind of lead it like it's a fast train and we're we're going and you know that's just kind of the nature of the business? Yeah, Murlocs is sort of it's hard, you know, as we get older. Um, you, you, I don't know how to explain it. Like, obviously, Matt and Cal are like my best friends, and we started 
the band together and they're, I'm super, like, yeah, grateful that they've just stuck by me this whole time because we can still be somewhat success, success, successful in what we do. I still consider us as a fairly decent-sized band with a, you know, you know, big enough name. But it's it's just so hard to, when you're in of such a force to be reckoned with, like Gizzard, to keep everyone invested. Um, you know, there's only so long that people can um, put up with that, you know, being like this everyone calling Merlock's a side project, you know, and all these things. Mm-hmm. When it's it's its own entity, it's its own biz, it's, it's its own beast and, you know, it's sort of, yeah, there's been a bunch of people come and go, but like Cal, me and Matt have been there from the start and we've had like, had three members leave or like asked to leave over our career as a band. Yeah. But Cook Cook joined after rhythm guitarist left. He went and joined Frowning Clouds mm-hmm. at the time. And um yeah, then Cook joined and then the bass player left and then Cook jumped on bass and we had Laden on rhythm guitar. And then Maladen left, and then we got Tim playing keys and rhythm guitar. So it's been us five solidly for like five years or something. Yeah. It's interesting to me too that the Murlocs have like you've maintain this like specificity with it where when you listen to the murlocs it sounds like the murlocs which is interesting because you guys are all playing in like multiple people in that band are playing also in king giz but it doesn't necessarily sound like that it's its own thing how do you like Mm -hmm. separate that like even when writing and i guess i mean if you're writing a song do you think this sounds like a murlocs thing or this sounds like a king giz thing or how does that work no i mean just sort of comes out just how it comes out. Like it's, we don't ever get enough time together to like mm. practice and rehearse these songs and then demo them and then go to a studio and spend a couple of weeks, you know. It's always kind of just like, all right, I'm home for a month. Like let's like start working out these ideas I've got or what Cal's got and um, try and just quickly like, you know, get cracking on it, you know, do twice a week or whatever we can do, do it in different formations um it just depends on what where what the album is sort of going to be but a lot of the time the albums have just sort of just been whatever throw it all together you know because mm-hmm. it's the time constraints but um i think now i've just been especially like or since bittersweet demons and now rap scallion i'm trying to make it a bit more conceptual and sort of trying to be like this is what this album's going to be you know so we don't end up with a couple of weird ballads and like you know, everyone's sort of just thrown in literally what just pours out of them, you know, sort mm-hmm. of trying to give it a bit more of a direction. Um, so, yeah, it just it just depends on who's writing the songs. Like, I try and keep it real collaborative because I don't, we all, like, because we're in Gizzard, we don't have enough time to just one, you know, me or Cook to be like, all right, this is my album. Like, I'm going to write all the songs and, like, you know, right. blah, blah, blah. And... Yeah, everyone in Murlocs is super capable of writing their own tunes because they're all like got their own other bands as well, um, you know. And so, but recently with Rapscallion, it's a product of like 
Cal Shortle coming through and just writing all the music. And it was like through lockdown, so he'd just send demos of songs, and then I would write. Then I like, but he would just he had he was on like a run, and he was just smashing out like tunes, like sending me a couple of week. And at the time, I was like working on Gizzard record or something, you know. So I didn't. We just finished Bittersweet Demons, and a couple of months went by, and he's like, "All right, I'm bored. Like, here's some songs. Bang, 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 bang." And then like within a month, we had like the whole album. And then it was just like, "All right, cool." This is how I then I just tracked it like I just put it in sequence of like how I want it to sound musically like in like big bang at the start, a few dips and then like you know kind of blah 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 and then I went ahead and yeah dove into having enough time to write a conceptual like storyline of this character and each song is in like sort of chapter by chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was like for the first I was kind of like. Bittersweet Demons is a lot of like 70% or something of like my songs written on piano and I kind of just put so much time and effort into that and I was just wanting to write more and contribute more to Gizzard because I've just had just always been more involved with Murlocs and and always sort of was more of a just a play in the life sense more than on the records with Gizzard Um, and that was, you know, mostly because I wasn't, I'm confident enough and not a good enough musician as well to jam with those to like, you know, be able to confidently play with like Stu and those guys. Where so I'd I would take my song ideas to Murlocs where I had free reign, you know, and I it was sort of like my way or the highway kind of in a sense, but then it you know, it's, but everyone's open to their opinions. So it just yeah, it, it comes in all different ways. But basically yeah, Rapscallion is Cal's songs and then I wrote the storyline and the lyrics and then, um, yeah, pretty much all the other albums we've done have been like a couple songs, a few songs from me, a few songs from Cal, one song from Cook, one song from Matt, one song from Tim, you know, um, and we've just finished another record after Raps Galleon already. We finished it like four or five months ago and it's just like all of us writing songs together. Oh, really? So, like, yeah, like collab, like jamming? Just, Nah, all in ISO, but just sending oh, okay. songs to each other. Like, yeah, so, like I was saying before, a couple from each of us. Oh, okay. So is that one conceptual Although, no, not, none well? from me musically. Nah, I can't really give away too much on that oh, yet. Oh, right, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's – yeah, so that's normally probably how we'll just keep doing stuff because we never get enough time to – Yeah. Um, yeah, it depends. I don't know. Kind of just see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> this comes in its, in its weird, mysterious way. <laughs> Well, it's interesting that you say that there's so many different ways that the songs come together because they feel like mm. you got Manic Candid episode, and I feel like that almost feels like a bridge from the first records to these last, uh, these more recent records like Bittersweet Demons and the singles from Rapscallion. They feel like, I don't even know, I don't know how to like describe it, almost like more like focus, but everything feels elevated. Like it really does feel like it's like this mm. more concise, elevated, like everybody rose up. Cause I'm listening to every song and I'm like, dude, this song's really good. Like every piece of it feels like it's correct or like it feels right within everything. And I don't know, I guess I'm, I, this is more than anything, just like me telling you that I really like it. And I think it's really good. And, you know, thank you for making it, but it's just impressive too. Yes. Wait, this is about rap scaling. Yeah. We're talking. Yeah, yeah, Rapscallion and yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, Bittersweet Demons. I man, both of them. Yeah, yeah, like, wow. great. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, cheers. Um, 
like bittersweet demons. I was just listening to a lot of like Lennon and Alton John and shit. Mm-hmm. And I like was we'd finished Manicana episode. I was like, oh, I want to rock. Like I want to. And then I sort of then we started touring Infest the Rats Nest with Gizzard, and I was like, I'm fucking over it. Like I want to do <laughs> yeah. like soft rock. I want to chill, bro. Like this is yeah, just yeah. too hectic. Um, because I li- that's all I listen to really is just like soft rock stuff. Um, but yeah, so then that's why we dove in that direction, and then yeah, I think Cal just always knew that we were wanting to do this heavy record, and he he hadn't written any songs on Bittersweet Demons. With the one song we of his was Skyrocket, which was like a, a leftover track from Manic Cannon episode, mm-hmm. you know. So we're kind of all like, "Come on, Kelly, like it's your time to step up to the plate." Man, like, you know, because uh, okay. he writes a lot of the bangers. Like, he's written, like, Rolling On and stuff, and he can write a hell of a tune. Uh, um, okay. So, yeah, once he started, like, coming out of his shell again and sending me all these ideas, I got just super jacked on it and just started, yeah, just coming up with this whole storyline. And, you know, it's kind of loosely based around, like, me and his, like, sort of upbringing of, like, being living on the coast and whatever and hitchhiking and jumping trains, dodging ticket inspectors and people of authority and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So there's all little elements of that. So I was kind of like, yeah, I'm really happy with how it's turned out. I think it's Rapscallion's definitely going to be a hard one to top for a while. I mean, it feels like it, both the singles off of it, I was like, oh, this one's really good. And then the next one, I was like, wow, this is really... It, it reminded me of when I first listened to um, Comfort Zone, to me, I was just like, like whoa this isn't what i was expecting it it also just like felt like the bar has been raised now like it it felt like you know you mentioned Mm. elton john a little bit and it's it felt the same like where it hit me in the same spot that like um like the chorus of rocket man like whenever that hits for whatever reason it just (laughs) hits me inside and i'm like oh something's happening here same thing happened with like comfort zone and now with this uh Mm. what is it mintus corpus or compos mintus same kind of Compost thing with that Mantis, one. Yeah. yeah. That one's yeah. sick. Very good. Sick, cheers. Dude, and yeah, like, uh, sorry, go on. No, uh, you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sweet, because I won't stop. I'm blabbermouth sometimes. Um, comfort, comfort Zone. I didn't even realize how similar the chorus was to Rocket Man until later on someone pointed it out, but that's it's weird how things happen like that when you just sort of – like, I, was, I just got obsessed with that, like, Levon song by Alton John mainly and, like, um, Plastic Ono band record and, and stuff. But, uh, like, the Comfort Zone idea was, like, so old. It was, like, just some random iPhone memo I found and, like, on the way to a Murlocs rehearsal. It was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, maybe we'll try and jam that tonight. And then, yeah, I remember, like, it just, like, the chorus and everything just started, like, naturally just pouring out like i was just like singing these melodies and shit and i was like oh this is funky like i don't know why this is happening right now but it's like that's there's some magic going on and then yeah after that driving home i was just like hell yeah this is the shit i want to do like this is what i've been wanting to do my whole life and i think that's why i got so jacked on that and then i was like i want to do try and do more like that and that's what bittersweet demons became Uh, me trying to like channel that energy again um but yeah and then yeah now combo cementus like cal's just really good at writing like soft songs mm-hmm. um like he wrote like rolling on and all that sort of stuff like a lot of our like nicer poppy stuff um but yeah it was good to hear him get a bit more raw with like 
subsidiary and ballerine ballerina and bobbing and weaving and you know kind of just get that little like rugged um grumpy little man thing inside of him (laughs) let it out (laughs) yeah 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 he's just kind of letting it out through his guitar but yeah i think we're we're lucky because my voice and his guitar tone kind of just work really well together i think okay that's an interesting noticing that's cool i wonder you know how that works but uh (laughs) yeah we don't know anything about music we just like it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's called being a bogan without realizing it. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't know if that's a term that we use out here, but like... No, nah, it's like redneck. Oh, okay. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's extra. That probably tracks um, a little bit with us, so... <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we're a little trashy at heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shelby, Shelby said, uh, you know, the really like raising the bar. And that's something like, that's like words that we use a lot to like say like, push ourselves and like I, I just love that when you're listening to a band and like they might not see it as like raising the bars you know it, anything like that but it's it's cool when you already like a band and they come out with a new album or new cd or single or whatever and you can tell they're really challenging themselves versus like they're just kind of phoning it in and i just i feel like with all your new music you feel like you're actively trying to like make something that you really like believe in and are inspired by at the time. I just think that's really uh, cool. And it's evident in the the music you're putting out right now. Yeah, totally. And I agree with you. Like, I feel like everything we've put out up until pretty much bittersweet demons is, as like I was saying before, just been a bunch of random songs, Mm -hmm. you know, thrown together. And because of like not having yet enough time, it just sort of ends up being this weird, like, yeah, sort of phoning it in, kind of rambled. Like, I, I, I don't know, I think like Young Blindness was maybe a bit more rehearsed and thought out. Um, I think like loopholes were just kind of just, I don't know, smoking too much weed and just like overthinking everything and stressing about like what the, how impactful this first album is supposed to be. And then we were like, Never really happy with what we had going at the time. Yes. So I, I think my favourite albums is like Young Blindness and like I feel like Loopholes and Old Locomotive were, were just like pretty random. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like Manic Canned Episode was kind of like starting to take a bit more of a like serious turn, a bit more control with like, you know, being a bit more concise. And then I think, yeah, now the stuff we're doing is just – Gets better and better. Yeah. I reckon. Totally. And it doesn't, it's not surprising to me at all that you guys are like best friends because whenever I play with someone else, it's like if they're awkward, they play awkward. Or like if we're not mm-hmm. gelling like personality wise, mm-hmm. a lot of times the jam doesn't really take off, you know, and that might sound like cheesy or something, but it's cool that you yeah, guys totally. can be isolated and you guys just, since you guys are already on that wavelength, mm. that it still gels even though you're not in the same place. Yeah, 100%. It's sort of like, um, you know, the first <laughs> is one of the Giz guys trying to come in to grab a lead or something probably. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I feel like, yeah, because we are such good mates, probably those early records, a lot of the time we'll just piss farting around and just like having drinks and talking shit rather than like, you know, using the time we had to like get shit done. And I think now that we're older and, we're just taking things a bit more seriously because, you know, we're not, not getting any younger. So mm-hmm. kind of um, 
utilize the time well that we have together. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm probably just turning into more of a narcissistic asshole as well. <laughs> just keep cracking the whip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think they love me for it. I hope so. <laughs> it's so crazy. No one else. No one else is gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> Someone. Yeah. It's so interesting to me that you guys all stay so motivated. It's crazy. Like the Giz stuff, it's just like, oh, like when I saw the post that you guys were going to put three records out in a month, it was just like, I mean, of course, but like the the mm. the fact that you guys are just maintaining this like workflow, like this work ethic thing is bananas to me because I spend a lot of my days just like listening to like Tony Robbins and stuff, trying to get myself to do anything. And the fact mm-hmm. that like, you know, most recording artists, they'll put out a record every two years and everyone's like that's right on time and it's just yep. funny that you guys are like yeah we're in like four different projects yeah. we're all putting out a record and also this band mm-hmm. is putting out six this year it's crazy even the murlocs yeah. you're already done with your second your album that your yeah, first one's like now yeah yeah but i think i just owe all that to Stu and his work ethic and being around that it gets you juiced you know a lot of the time it's like a lot of the time going into the studio, like thinking about it, you're like, oh, like really? Like, can we just like chill for a bit? <laughs> and then once you're like doing it, you just feel immediately better about yourself because you're being productive. And, yeah. You know, you're, you're making shit happen. And like, yeah, you know, there's, there's people's attention span these days are a lot shorter. So I think you just got to hit it while the iron's hot constantly or else you just get forgotten about, especially being a rock band. Yeah. Like, I think it's. Yeah, it's sort of slim pickings. You got to just smash it, or else you just get smashed. Pretty much. I talk about that a um, lot, though. That whole thing of yep. like you were saying that like a lot of times it's like, oh, I don't want to go in there. But then once you're doing it, you're like, this is great. Like, why was I even overthinking it? I feel like there's mm. so much of that in everything, and I'm always having to like bamboozle my mind into like, no, Shelby, yeah. you like this? Just start doing it's it. It's all mental. Yeah. 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 Totally. It's all mental. It's totally all mental like you know and uh, yeah i think just being around yeah like Stu, like coming in here every day and we're just like making like doing shit just riffing off each other and even if i'm not like playing on it he, he'll just get me to come in and tell me what i think you know or just use me as a soundboard or whatever and mm. you know maybe throw in ideas of arrangement of like structures or whatever um and i think yeah i just get real juiced off that that i want to like take that and push that with the murlocs you know all the time yeah. Cause like, you know, I think, yeah, a lot of people in bands or whatever just, yeah, just dwell and then they just get stuck inside their own he- head and, you know, they have a lot of, like, influence and in other people hounding them as well. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have anyone to answer to. We, we're our own bosses and do what we want. So, you know, it's kind of like, and, you know, you got to, like, work even harder, you know, to be at that point and, you know you know reap the benefits of doing that because it's you know it's a long road to the top <laughs> yeah. but um it's true especially being yeah. a band from australia acdc are not wrong yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the, it, i know what's up it also it's from the outside looking in it just seems like you guys are having so much fun in every like element that you guys do even like making music from especially like your guys's videos every time i watch a video it's like, oh shit, they're having so much fun. And I just, is that something that you guys like value a bunch? Like, is it like, okay, we're going to make this video, let's make it fun. And like, what is your approach to like the, do you normally get the ideas from other people with the videos? Or is it like you kind of are all just like, this seems like a goofy thing, let's just go do it? 
How's that work? Um, it's it's always pretty spontaneous, to be honest. Um, like you know, straws in the wind clip. We had like a week before. I think it was literally like twenty four hours or something before we were going to go back into a Melbourne lockdown or <laughs> something, and we we needed to do a video clip. And I was like, "Let's do a song for Straws in the Wind." I'll go to the hardware shop now and buy a, like a leaf blower, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to like dress like Big Lebowski, and we're going to just dance around in front of a green screen and <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> you know, it sort of just comes, it comes in different ways every time. It, de- it depends on what's going on. But I think a lot of the time we like to just sort of let the director have like creative control and do what they want to a certain extent. Um, yeah, we pretty much give free reign to anyone because we just also don't have any time to like yeah, <laughs> come right. up with any ideas ourselves because, you know, other than just giving them the song and hopefully they just don't make it too literal. Yeah. Was this this new one, this new King Giz one for, uh, with Joey just just dancing in Greece somewhere? <laughs> like, mm. I mean, was that just like that? Almost with your guys' personality, though, it just feels like something that you guys would say, like, "Oh, this would just be fun. Let's just have Joey just like dance down the steps <laughs> of this thing for eight minutes." <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. We we'd canceled. We'd made the call to tough as decision to cancel that recent European tour. Mm. And we're at the airport going to um, Prague to play the last show before we were going to pull the plug. And then it occurred to me that Danny Cohen was already flying over to Europe to come and jump on the bus with us in like two days and come on the road for two weeks and film a clip for Ice Five. And we're just like, I was like, Stu, like he's in like Berlin already. Like what what, what are we going to do? And then like, you know, Stu's already stressing out and feeling like dog shit so i'm just like on the phone to danny like all right what are, what are you gonna do what are you gonna do like um i'll stay back for a week like i don't care i'll do whatever whatever it takes or whatever like and then like i'm like joe's staying till like end of the year cook's gonna go to like greece for a week i think joe might go there too and then he's just like yeah cool i think i just want to film joe though i'm really into his like strong european look he's got going on um, so yeah, I think I just want to just film Joe if he's down to like do that and like got it in him to somehow pull off this 10 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, oh shit, Joe and Joe's face kind of like changed. And then he was like, okay, <laughs> I got this fellas. And, um, yeah. And then <laughs> when we saw the first cut, we was just like, hell yeah. Billy Elliot too looks dope. <laughs> <laughs> what a great approach though it's so it's so good mm. i mean dude we yeah. can overthink shit he's the only one that works out so it was, yeah it was gonna yeah he's got this he's got the stamina and you got enough people that you trust at least like their tone or like their you know them as people and it's awesome you guys have like a willy wonka warehouse of cool <laughs> shit and you have a lot of creative awesome people that you can count on and I know there's like, you, know, you have to run it like a business, but I mean, earlier you said, I wish I had like more discipline, you know, like a, you know, like a lot of people working like just, you know, actual like nine to five with boss. But mm-hmm. as a person yeah. who works in nine to five, I think you guys are more ambitious and hardworking than the average nine to five or anyways. Yeah. I'm on my third round of Seinfeld right now. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> man, you got to have that shit on repeat. Like while you're cooking breakfast and stuff, I've already watched all of Seinfeld like 20 times. Dude, yeah, it's the perfect, it really is the perfect just have on while you're like vacuuming yeah. and then you look up and you're like, oh, it's the Bobka one. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just like, yeah, in the bathroom brushing your teeth and giggling because you already know what it is. <laughs> yeah, um, <hell> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that and Simpsons is perfect background comedy. Cookie's a big Simpsons fan. He's just here right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I was actually even yeah. going to ask you about Cook. Like, it feels like, I don't know why, but I'm just like, I feel like that guy has, like, some sort of hidden talent. Like, is he, like, a woodworker or something? That, or, like, a really yeah, good chef? Yeah, he's got many hidden talents. Yeah. Yeah, hey, Cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a, yeah, he's got, yeah, he's got, he's a woodworker, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a, yeah, I think he's a main chef. He can... Yeah, I can cook oven. Yeah, what have you been cooking lately? Sausages. <laughs> Sausages. He loves a good snag. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to ask, how do you feel playing like Levitation and playing like with Gizzard and yeah. the Murlocs? And like, we're fucking stoked to see you in Austin. Yeah, we're excited. Again, yeah. we saw you in Austin. I think last time you were here, we played. You played at the Barracuda. And, you guys kicked ass. Yeah, yeah. I think last time I played, um, well, yeah, a few years ago at Levitation, yeah. And then up, last time with Murlocs, we played the Barracuda as well on our tour. Mm. But yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, our drummer Matt has his sister's wedding in Oz on the same day. So we've been in a bit of a debacle, but now Cavs is going to fill in for that show for Murlocs. Oh, so cool. yeah, I'm going to have to like buy him some champagne or something to say thanks but um yeah we were just talking about that before and i was just starting to write a set list for levitation because yeah he's gonna jump on the kit for that one off yeah um so yeah yeah looking forward to it it'll be uh yeah that'll be a a special random thing to do yeah one off yeah by the time this comes out that might already be out i don't know when we're gonna put this out whenever you want us to but yeah we can't wait to see it yeah Whenever, whenever suits. Yeah, cool. Is there like a spot, like, you guys have been all over the world. Is there like a specific place that you're like, oh, yeah, like, let's add this to the tour because I like it there. They have nice, good bread or something. I I wish. (laughs) No, I don't know. We always kind of keep everything. I know everyone, uh, especially in Giz, like, you know, half the guys have kids now and, you know, everyone's got partners, wives. So I think we've just always... You know, the first couple of years we went really hard of like going on tour for like two months at a time. And after that, we were just burnt out and we're like, nah, we just need to keep it like within a month. So we just sort of hit whatever makes sense in that period. But, um, right on. Yeah, I know. Recently, Greece, we've all really been into Greece. As, as you can see, Joe's <laughs> real into Greece. Yeah. It did look <laughs> but, um, fun. Yeah. 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 It is fun. Nah, it's super sick. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to pinpoint. Obviously, heaps of America is getting is really cool. Um, I feel like every time we go back, we start to realize how much we love it. There's so many good spots. Um, yeah, I don't know. It sort of just depends depends on what everyone feels like eating or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> a kebab, you go Greece. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think we're all obsessed with the euros now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, right we on. always end the podcast the same way. Do you have? A, we're asking for two songs um, that you are interested in oh, or inspired or by, or you know, it could be something you liked when you were, you know, thirteen. Could be something you're into right now. Um. Hmm. I know. I'll probably just go with something relevant and new. I'm really into that. Um, this is a Sydney band called R R M F C. 
Um, all their stuff is real sick. They've got a new single out called Access. That's a banger. Um, okay. Here in Melbourne, there's always stuff going on. Um, probably like Wrong Side of Town by The Prize, They're like a new band here in Melbourne. It's sick sort of like glam rock 70s vibe. Heaps like Thin Lizzy or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Perfect recommendations. Awesome. I like giving the spotlight to some more Melbourne artists. And there's so much stuff, cool stuff happening in, in Australia with the music scene. Um, well, thank you for yeah. taking this time. Uh, this is our Thursday night. It's your Friday morning. <laughs> we'll let you go, get back to, back to work. Yeah. Um, it's been great okay. talking to you. You were really generous with your time. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks. Yeah. Cheers. Right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Peace. Yeah, bye. See you, shrimp. <laughs> bye. Sayonara. <laughs> Shrimp out. And then they're just like, show but you have to do this. And I'm like, I don't like the way you're coming at me right now. Mm-hmm. I have to just do the things that you say. Yeah. What? Shelby's on weekend mode. I'm on weekend mode, daddy. <laughs> okay. And listen here. When Pop's in weekend mode, we're putting the feet up, dog. Okay. <laughs> there's no, there's no, oh, we got to do this. We got to get the stuff done. Not, uh-uh. Okay. We're watching sports and, <laughs> you know. We're eating foods, weekend stuff. <laughs> you think they can tell right when you walk in if you're in weekend mode or not? Uh, yeah. yeah. First off, I'll be wearing Crocs, okay? That's step one. You know, I'm crocking, and they're like, oh, exactly. no. Company policy. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be it. And they just, like, see me, and they're like, ah, we need him, you know? We need him to get the work done today, but it's going to be a, the whole thing. He's yeah. rocking Crocs. He's got <laughs> his sunglasses on. <laughs> Shelby's crocking. He's wearing pit vipers, and which I, I don't actually have a pair of pit vipers, but it seems like you know some sort of glasses that you might get at the Sitco. Mm-hmm. Sitco is it Sitco? It's Sitco, I think. You know, they pair nice with a Slurpee. Those kind of sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh no, he's it's like there's two. Yeah, he's in weekend mode. They're like, what are you, what are you talking about, Shelby? And they go, that's not Shelby. That's El Chocho. <laughs> about you yeah it's because they have to tell the new guy you see yeah. how he's wearing one of those like <laughs> necklaces that was popular in the 90s of like the big metal beads <laughs> that's how you know it's el choncho we're in for it it's trouble time <laughs> we're gonna it's good we're gonna have to work triple as hard to get the normal amount of work done today <laughs> <laughs> So, yep. <laughs>